There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, Managing Editor of the NBA page over at NBC Sports with you as always. And today, draft breakdown time. Dan Feldman's joining me. We're going to kind of mock the lottery, talk about other sleepers and players we like, and, and work our way through the draft, and also talk some NBA news because there's a little of that, too, and, and there's not even a reason to wait around. Dan, how's it going, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So we got to start at the top right before we, we were recording this. The news kind of came out that James Harden is absolutely, you know, the Houston Chronicles reporting. He is absolutely asked out of Houston. Um, I would say that this thing in Houston came apart pretty quickly, but there were signs of crumble for about, I don't know, a year or two years now, like almost since Tillman Fertitta took over. <laughs> we're just going to pin it all on Tillman Fertitta, aren't we? I, I would <laughs> I look at the big inflection point as the trade for Russell Westbrook. Uh, and yeah. that was, by Fertitta's own admission, something he pushed for while his basketball operations people were, I think the word he used was squeamish or something like that. Uh, it was a bad trade. It, yeah. it didn't work on the court. The Rockets gave up a ton of assets. It limited their ability to do other things, other ways to upgrade. Uh, it, I think, I, I don't think Daryl Morey would say this, but I, I think it, it pushed... Uh, him on the road toward leaving. If I'm yeah. just taking Tillman for Tita at his word that he overruled his basketball operations. People, when when you're as successful as Daryl Morey and you can have other options like he did in Philadelphia, why do you want to work for an owner who's doing that? Tillman for Tita didn't pay the luxury tax at, at key times. The Rockets would still be good next year if they keep it together, but they've done so many things to shortcut their championship contention. Uh, I understand where James Harden is coming from. That said, one of the things they've done to shortcut their championship contention is is create a culture uh, where James Harden is in charge. James Harden, who dribbles the ball a lot, doesn't try as much on defense, things that turn off his teammates. Uh, there are a lot of pros that come with turning over your culture, James Harden. There are some negatives that come up when the team isn't winning as much as you'd like. That's very true. And look, it, it, the culture has now pushed out Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, both of whom were supposed to have these great relationships with James Harden. And ultimately, that didn't work. I mean, Harden, by the way, should be credited with one of the people pushing Chris Paul out the door and enforcing the kind of Russell Westbrook trade that happened. Um, you know, he was supposedly in on this, and it was it was Maury who had no choice. And by the way, kudos to Sam Presti who goes had to look at that and go, "There is no way Daryl's pushing for this. This is coming from above. <laughs> I am going to rake him over the coals and get everything possible out of this." Uh, but I'm with you. I, I 
the way that I mean, I know James Harden has given lip service to wanting to play in a you know more ball sharing system, but the reality would the reality on the court was that was not how that team functioned or set up or was or seemed to you know it's not the way Harden seemed to want it, and there seemed to be a cap for how good they could be, and I say that knowing that they were up three two in the conference finals on on the you know the the Warriors with Kevin Durant, and but for a Chris Paul injury, maybe we're talking about this differently, but I, I don't know how far you could take it. And especially the way it had developed after Russell Westbrook uh, trade, there was a real limit on how good this team was going to be. Well, so James Harden reportedly wants to join Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on the net. So all our concerns about how that offense functions, right? They should all be fixed. Now that he's playing with a yes. couple other ball dominant guys. Yeah. It's uh, I, I do believe, that the Rockets were a genuine championship contender. Like I believe oh, I they were they're good. They were the second best team in basketball yeah. for a couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. And they just didn't get the right breaks. The biggest one is having to exist at the same time the peak Warriors existed. Uh, yeah. You know, you put these Rockets teams in a different season, they they probably win a championship. It, you know, it's tough. Uh, but it is tough, and it didn't work. And uh, they've gone the wrong direction since you know peaking in 2018. The, we'll get into it. I do. You, first off, do you think the trade? I mean, he's pushing for a trade to Brooklyn, and when stars push for things, they tend to happen. Uh, do you think this comes together? You know, I, I think if James Harden pushes hard for a trade, he'll get traded. I'm not sure it would be to the Nets. Um, I mean, we can talk about the Nets' best theoretical package and tell me what you think your, your interest in this would be. Uh, but the Nets can put together a package that's really you know based on. Uh, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, four future first-round picks. Uh, in addition to this year's picks, they could make it five first-round picks. It could be three pick swaps. Like, that's the maximum package. Would that be enough for you as Houston? It might be, if I know I've got to move on, because I think LeVert can be part of whatever we're building. I can flip Dinwiddie into something, and I want the picks, even though the picks aren't probably going to be all that great. I've got to start. If I'm rebuilding, it's time to start stockpiling, right? Like it's, you know, I don't know that Houston's going to go full Sam Presti. What's he got now? 15, 16 first round picks over the next six drafts. I mean, literally it's that many. Uh, But I think that you've got to start pushing that direction. Um, I would have to consider it, but it also would also, obviously it depends on what else is out there. And I think if we wanted to spend the time, we could come up with better alternatives. Um, and if I'm Houston, I'll start with this. I'm not trading him to the Nets for anything short of that total package. Like you want to go to the yeah. Nets, like that's got to be on the table. And if that's our best offer, we'll take it. But there's no way I'm like, oh, I'll let you off the hook on one of these pick swaps. Yeah, exactly. I want a pick swap. I want, and I, I want think three pick swaps. Yeah. And, uh, like, I guess it also comes down to what do you think of Levert? Like, you know, again, he looked really good last year with the ball in his hands. And if he comes to Houston, he would have the ball in his hands a lot. And then you're also obviously, look, PJ Tucker, available. <laughs> Eric Gordon, available. Like you're, you're moving everything and everybody at that point, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, PJ Tucker, I think, would have a lot of trade value. I think Robert Covington would have a lot of trade value. I think Eric Gordon, with his injuries, with his contract, probably has negative trade value. Uh, you might, yeah. He, yeah. he might be your co-star with uh, with Karis Levert in the meantime. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll be following that at NBC Sports. And uh, we weren't supposed to be diving into that, but I don't think we could avoid it at the top of the show. I think it's going to be I, – I, uh, all right, let's just do this as the final one. I would say 33% chance James Harden is a Houston Rocket on December 22nd. Ooh. Uh, I'll take the under very slightly. <laughs> yeah, I'm. It's, it's looking – it's looking like he wants out. It's just more a question of where he <clears throat> where he ends up. I do believe that James Harden, at this point, you know, based on the reporting, prefers to leave the Rockets and join the Nets. One of my questions, though, is you know, where does he not want to go? Where would he prefer? Uh, like, to to what teams would he prefer just remaining in Houston? Uh, I do think it's possible that maybe a trade doesn't work out with the Nets, and Harden says, "Well, I guess my second best option is still staying with the Rockets." I think that's at least possible. Yeah, and I think it would just lead to a, I mean, it'd be a longer trade window and you'd see some other teams kind of step forward. There's a lot of teams with cap space in 2021, but if slash when Giannis, you know, as as expected, at least for me, if 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 when Giannis re-signs with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, it might force a recalculation by some teams that were holding cap space. But it's also, look, is James Harden a fit in Miami? I don't know. I don't really like him next to Luca. I'm not taking the ball out of Luca Doncic's hand, so I like. I'm curious what that landing spot would be. I mean, the Nets, uh, just in terms of what everybody wants, make a decent amount of sense. Like we were talking about our on-court concerns, but yeah, I think James Harden, Kevin Durant get along well. Uh, Durant, yeah. and Kyrie Irving wanted to be together. The Nets do have a decent amount of assets if they pool them all together. Like you could see that happening. Absolutely. So Dan, that wasn't what we were supposed to be talking about. We were supposed to be talking about a the 2020 NBA draft, which, you know, I know it's been panned a lot. And now that we've really delved into it, um, yeah, it should be panned a lot at the top, right? <laughs> it's it's it, it does not have – look, I think there are potentially really nice role players in this draft and as you move down. But there is nobody – there, there's just not, and again, it's easy to use this last year, but there's not a Zion or Jaw or a you got to take this guy because he's potentially a franchise cornerstone guy in here outside of maybe LaMelo Ball if you believe in him. Yeah, I, I do think in defense of this draft, there is a lot of talent, a lot of talented players that if you told me some of these guys are going to turn out, like I'd believe it. Like you can see a path for a lot of players in this draft. I think this is a draft deep with players who could really pan out into really nice NBA players, but each one of them is all so flawed uh, that it's hard to figure out which ones are going to pan out there. There are no players in this draft that I feel really good about drafting. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's, there's, there's weaknesses I can live with or things I think I can develop, but at the end of the day um, it's, it's a weakness. Let's, let's try to just mock this out a little bit. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves are on the clock at number one, Dan. Uh, you're Gerson Rosas. You're probably trying to, I mean, not probably. You're <laughs> seriously considering moving this pick, but I don't, I mean, outside of Charlotte moving up from three because they really want Wiseman, do you see a deal out there? Yeah, I mean, it's always possible, but why would you trade up for number one in this draft after just what we just talked about, how there's yeah. nobody you love, how there's, I do think there is a lot of talent, you know, deep down uh, through mid-late first round, 
Like, why do you want to move up in this draft to get somebody who's what, like a little more talented, a little more slightly likely to pan out? Like, that's not enough generally. I mean, maybe the Timberwolves have figured out the same situation and just value the top pick way less than the team typically values a number one pick. But it, it does seem like a trade is unlikely at this point. Yeah. So you're Minnesota. Are are you taking Anthony Edwards because you think he can fit with um, better, at least, potentially, <laughs> on, offensively with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns and then just hope you can outscore other teams because you're not playing any defense? Or are do you roll the dice on someone like LaMelo Ball, who is high upside, high floor, or low floor? Like, it, it could this could bust or this could... Or it could take off. Well, it's not like, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards is a safe prospect. I think they both have no. similarly low floors. I just think LaMelo Ball has a higher ceiling. He's my top prospect on the board yeah. uh, in a tier of his own. I would take him. What would you do? Yeah, you're t- by the way, your tier, uh, for people who haven't seen it at NBC Sports Tuesday morning, Dan will have his his tiers out, his, how his draft tier, tiers would go, how he would break it out. I have LaMelo on top for the exact same reason, which is, well, I'm doing this with a lot of hesitancy because some people I really trust that I talk to cannot stand his work. Like, just there's real concerns about his work ethic or his commitment to improving his weaknesses. And as you know, has been I think it's been pointed out online by people. But some scout pointed out to me goes, if you're entering the NBA draft and your footwork is inconsistent on your jumper. I'm worried about how much time you're putting in the gym working on, you know, like uh, it's seriously working on things and working on your fundamentals. And there's a a legitimate concern that he might not up to that. And it would give me a lot of pause, but if I'm Minnesota, I'm probably still taking LaMelo ball because six, seven guys with handles who are gifted passers and, and can shoot. And they just don't come along. Like that's, that's a really great potential combo in the modern NBA. He already sees the floor. He can play off pick and rolls a little. I would just, it's a developmental project. And I have to, I think you have to look at him as somebody you've got to develop as much as just, Hey man, we can draft Zion and roll him out there and watch him get 20. That, that guy doesn't exist in this draft. And you're, you're banking on your ability to get through to LaMelo and develop him. For sure. Uh, I'm not, as concerned as you are about his work ethic. I'm not saying it's zero concern. It's far, far greater than zero. He's a teenager. He's been in some weird situations playing. His game has developed like, okay, his footwork on his jumper isn't good enough. Okay. Like that's a, to me, a fairly common flaw among players coming into the draft. The mobile ball does have the benefit of being so young. I do think we've seen a lot of improvement from him as a playmaker. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of huge red flags. His shot selection is atrocious. His yes. defensive effort might be even worse. <laughs> you know, it's tough to go from uh, being this sideshow star, and maybe it's not even a sideshow because all his teams, his professional teams, have, and even his high school team were just crafted around him. Like it was about what yeah. can we do to make LaMelo Ball look interesting. He's going to go into an NBA environment on a normalish team, and I don't know how he adjusts. That said, uh, and I do think that I do think the risk is far greater with him than it was with Lonzo. But that said, when Lonzo came to the NBA, there were the same concerns. Well, oh, he's LeVar Ball's son. Like, how will he handle it? Is he going to be a prima donna? All these things. And 
Lonzo Ball went in, seems like he mostly kept his head down, yeah. played hard, developed, like did all those right things. So that gives me some faith that LaMelo Ball will do the same, but I do think those concerns are heightened with LaMelo. The idea that the world was kind of crafted around him also applies to Anthony Edwards, though, right? Like this is a guy who who didn't go to some of the major preps, who look didn't play for USA Basketball, didn't play some places where he was going to be challenged. He was in a lot of ways, I don't want to say shielded, but always put in a position where he would look best and be the big fish in a small pond, at least until he got to Georgia, where he had a up and down season. I mean, put up numbers, but it wasn't quite as dominant as people had hoped. Um, I think that there's a little bit of that with him as well. So I, I, I think that concern, though, is legitimate. I just, I don't know where you go with him, where at number two, I, the Warriors seem like Wiseman, right? Like that just seems like that's the fit. I don't know. They've put out so much smoke that it's hard yes. to tell. Uh, you know, it, they do seem to like centers more than a lot of teams like centers, which is funny because of how much they've done to bring about modern basketball, including playing a lot of opposing centers off the floor with their scheme. <laughs> but, but they like to have centers. I, I do think it makes sense as their pick, but I could also see them taking Anthony Edwards, taking the the high floor play, or excuse me, the high ceiling player, and believing that in their system, in their culture, they can get the best out of him. You know, j- just to compare him to Lamelo Ball, the idea that yeah, he's been the 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 big fish in the small pond for a lot, long time. Yeah, there's definitely truth to that. But at least he wasn't shuttled around the world to do it. Yes, uh, there's yeah. something that, that inflates your ego when they take you around the world to be that guy. Yeah, you are the best team and best player on your Lithuanian team and your your Australian team and what have you. Yeah, it's inter- it's interesting, and I think the other advantage you do have as a, the Warriors and the the. I'm sure the Timberwolves would say they can do this too, but the Warriors have proven it. If they take Wiseman, and the concern with Wiseman in some ways isn't the talent, it's that he, well, again, it's a little bit of, of does he want to use it? He fits as a really good, he has the potential to be a very good, like, rim-running, pick-setting big, right? Like, set that pick, roll to the rim, he can pop out a little bit, Um block some shots, kind of a, I've heard the DeAndre Jordan, peak DeAndre Jordan type of comparison. He has the potential to be that kind of guy, except the report is he really wants the ball 15 feet out so he can face up. And I think, what? That is a big concern. I think that that's where I trust the Warriors culture to rein that in faster. (laughs) Like, you're just not going to do that in the face of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, and Draymond Green probably in particular. We'll get in your face about this, right? Like, you're going to do that once in practice and get and get shut down um, and told to, you know, pick your, you know, you've got to prove you can do that. You're going to have to pick your spots, Rook. Where I'm not sure how that goes in Minnesota. You know, I'm not sure if that's the same culture. So I think that there's some advantage to whether it's Anthony Edwards or whoever they take at Golden State, and I think they'd take Wiseman. They, could, they can fit him into the culture and get him to buy in quickly just because of who's there agreed a hundred percent uh however i do think far bigger concern than you know what style of offense he plays is how good is he going to be defensively he has the yes. tools he's big uh you know he can protect the rim he can move pretty well on the perimeter he's like very athletic for his size i don't think he's like this amazing amazing athlete in general for the nba before his size yes like this is what really excites people is the defensive potential 
but man, his defensive recognition needs work. And to some degree, that's understandable, right? He played just three college games. Like, of course, it's going to be behind, but it is behind. And I think this is such a common way that we miss on draft prospects collectively. It's when we, uh, we see somebody with this defensive potential, but just doesn't read the game quick enough. Like to play good defense in the NBA, you need to be a smart player. There are no dumb players, you know, basketball intelligence wise, uh, who are good defenders in the NBA, none. And I think James Wiseman is behind there. Uh, You know, maybe he can get there again, like LaMelo Ball, same thing we're talking about. He's young, he can develop. uh, But I got a lot of concerns about his defense. Now that said, he's big, he's athletic. I, I believe in his rebounding, like his effort is improved just overall as a player that helps on the glass. Like, to me, it's hard to see him completely failing. And maybe that's all the Warriors need, right? This is why the pick would make a lot of sense for them. He can come in from day one, be helpful in some ways. And even if he never really reaches his potential, he's at least somewhat helpful. And he does have that sky-high potential. So he's like, a to me, a, a low-risk, uh, high, high-ceiling prospect, you know, low-risk, high-reward. I just don't have much confidence in him uh, hitting that high-reward. Right. At number three, the Charlotte Hornets, I think they'd be thrilled if ball comes to them, right? Like, they basically, they just need talent, right? Like at the end of the day, Charlotte just needs some players. I mean, yes. Uh, I also think point guard is by far their strongest position. That's with Devontae true. Graham, with Terry Rozier. Yeah, so do you, Do you, I mean, I, there's, look, I, I don't think it's been any subtle. They, they reportedly are very into the idea of James Wiseman fitting with them. I I just don't, I think they might have to move up to get him. And I don't know that they're going to do that. I, again, I'm not sure they need to move up, but I, I think yeah, the Timberwolves exactly. and Warriors want them to think they have to move up. Uh, I might like Onyeka Kongu more than James Weissman if you want a, a big man. A lot of, look, I, again, people I trust, uh, I heard from, I heard a couple people say that, like they would actually take Onyeka, uh, how, I, you, you actually rolled that off the tongue much more smoothly than I have done, by the way. I have. Um, but they've talked about wanting the thinking that ultimately he is going to be the best big out of this class because the question isn't going to be defense. And I mean, he can step in day one and defend and he's going to bring a lot of energy and the offensive game. Look, he gets some around the rim and it can develop. Yeah. You know, he, he's a little small for a center. I think he's going to have to be a center at the next level, a little small. I mean, Everybody is comparing him to Bam Adebayo. I I get it. Bam is much stronger, much more powerful. Uh, So I do have some concerns about him. We're going to talk. Everybody we talk about is going to be concerns with. If you want a big man, I I think a Kongu makes a lot of sense, especially if Weissman is off the board. Uh, It's probably a good time to say, though, teams, I think, have not quite gotten there with understanding how high replacement level is for big men. You can get a solid big man pretty cheap in free agency or, or wherever. Like, I I think it's pretty rare you should be drafting a big man this high in the draft. And I generally don't think James Weissman or, or Nkongu are good enough to, to deviate from that, except for in this draft. Well, there's not, it's not like there are great wings and point guards to feel real good about in this, in this range either. No. All right. Well, let's uh, when you get to the bulls at number four, that's where the draft really starts, right? Like it, it's going to almost, I don't want to say certainly, but both mocks and just what you, you know, the talk is some in some order, Edwards, Wiseman, Ball go the first three. Mm-hmm. Who do you take number four if you're the Bulls? Uh, I'm taking Therese Halliburton. Uh, 
you know, he can't be your point guard. I, I see him listed as a point guard so many places. I, I disagree with that. I don't think you want the ball in his hands that much. He he doesn't he's, gain he's enough He's more of a secondary playmaker, right? Exactly. Like, gee, yeah. And, I, you know, he's thin. He's real thin. So I don't want him at the point of attack all the time, but he's a smart team defender. He's long. He can get in passing lanes. Like, I want him on the court for my team. I don't want to force feed the ball to him. I don't want to force him into defending a bunch of pick and rolls, but I want him on the court long term. I really like his game a lot. Uh, and of all these players this next, he does not have superstar potential, I don't think. Uh, but there's nobody I feel good about, and I, I just like his game. And uh, he's who I would take, and honestly, he's who I predict the Bulls will take. Well, the the name that gets bounced around a lot is Denny Avia out of, um, and again, I'm probably butchering the last name, out of uh, Maccabee Tel Aviv, the, the Israeli player. Um, 6'9", again, another kind of secondary playmaker guy who's shown he can do it, uh, well... Look, limited minutes, but at the highest levels of European basketball. So, I mean, he's playing against, he's playing and practicing against good guys. I think they might go that direction. I just, I think what's interesting about this pick is because it's a new front office, nobody knows where the Bulls are going, right? right. Like that, this is the wild card. They could take Obi Toppin, they could take, you know, Isaac Okoro, they could take whoever, and you'd be like, okay, yeah, whatever. I, like, I don't think anybody has an idea what direction they're going to go. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, they are the big wild card, and we'll see where it trickles from there. Uh, you did do pretty well on Denny Avdia. Uh, Avdia. That one, that one. Okay. Yeah, All I right. think you got it. Uh, right, I don't know if you go. meant to say it that way, but I think that's how it came out. Uh, yeah, that'd be a decent pick. You know, he he's fairly young. The big question is his shot. Yes. Is he going to be a good enough shooter from the perimeter? And there are smaller questions, too. I, he's got a nice all-around game, but are you going to put the ball in his hands often enough to take advantage of his passing? Uh, that's where it gets tough. There, there are some players like that in Europe who, yeah, he's a good passer, but why would you give the ball to him rather than run it through your more talented guard that you have on your NBA team? And I think, Nick, and we've talked about this before, I think this season in, in Chicago, there's going to be a lot of, I don't know that they're going to make big trades unless something really falls in their lap. Um, heading in I just think this is an assessment year like I think the new front office the, you know new coach new everything like what what do we have in in Zach Levine and Kobe White in in Wendell Carter Jr. in Laurie Markkinen if we can get him on the floor like I don't think they really know what they have and I think yeah. that they're trying to assess that and then you're trying to piece in <laughs> a fourth play you've just got to take somebody and hope it works as again I think the idea of putting in a secondary playmaker who can def- ideally defend a little because uh, you know and then you you have Zach Levine as your primary scorer you know shot creator it, I suppose there's potential there I'd be curious to see what that ultimately looks like but I think they're curious to see what that ultimately looks like and that's part of the reason I like Tyrese Halliburton there he, he's somebody yeah. who can just fit in make players around him better uh he'll help with your evaluation and maybe just as importantly I think maybe even boosting the trade value of other players putting them in position to succeed and and then as a uh, Arturis a name I'm not going to try to say Kernishevis I'll try yeah, I, believe that, I believe that's uh, correct that, that's yeah that, the only person Keith did that really well for us but right. you know he's he's of Latvian descent so like <laughs> yeah. rolled off the tongue yes I, I tried to emulate Keith uh it's, it's hard <laughs> uh you know as he tries to rebuild the roster in his image of course he would like his incumbent players to have higher trade value number five the Cleveland Cavaliers they've got a guard they like. Uh, Colin Sexton played pretty well at the end of the year. We'll see what Darius Garland ends up being. Kevin Porter could be, Kevin Porter Jr. 
could be part of whatever's being built there. But you'd think they're looking front court, ideally. But I think they've, A, they've just got to take who they see as the best player on the board. Maybe that's a Kongu. Maybe that's somebody like Obi Toppin, who's a little more offensive-minded. It could be. You know, the, the names uh, most commonly linked to them are Obi Toppin and uh, Danny Avdija. Yeah. It could be either one of them. The Cavs, I, I think, often tip their hand a little bit. It, you know, not the year they drafted Anthony Bennett, uh, but more recently, you know, with Colin Sexton, with Darius Garland, like, it didn't come out of nowhere. It did seem kind of, t- kind of being like a, who was expected, but I, I will throw one other name out there as uh, Isaac Okoro. Uh, yes, I think he has He's a lot of linked there. A, a lot of similarities to Colin Sexton and somebody who uh, maybe a little overrated uh, in terms of what he did in college, uh, some flaws, but just a great reputation for work graphic attitude. Those things, if they valued that in Colin Sexton, I don't see why they wouldn't value it in Isaac Okoro, who can you know be that that uh, small forward that they need. I'm not going to hide this. Okoro is my sleeper. Like, let's say sleeper would be the wrong word. But the guy I think could break out because I think, A, he's got the work ethic and he's got the build. He's got the defensive mindset. And what's missing is the offensive game and the shot. But if you believe that that can be taught to a guy who puts in the work, then this is is the guy. Like, this is to me the guy who could, I mean, if somebody's going, I don't want to say break out, but if somebody's going to surprise us and become a all-star level player, I think Okoro can be that guy. He's been a guy I've hopped. I've been high on. I think he'd be a great pick for them. Well, I don't know. It's about player development. Maybe I want him to land somewhere else, but, <laughs> but I, think, I think, I think he's got a real shot there and, and um, it'll be interesting to see what direction they go though, because then you get to number six, you get to the Atlanta Hawks. Look, they, a, want, they've they got a center in Clint Capella. So even though they might look at someone like Toppin or a Kongu, they've also got a They've got Capella and John Collins up front. Obviously, they've got um, um, Trey you know, Young. Uh, Young. Sorry, I went blank for a second. Trey Young in the backcourt. But also, this is a team with some pressure reportedly from ownership to make the leap. Like it's time to become a play of a team that pushes for the playoffs. So that's why you're hearing their name mentioned for drew holiday, Victor Oladipo, other, other veterans out there. I, I think honestly, if I were going to bet on the most likely pick to be traded, it's this one so that somebody can move up and get Patrick Williams in front of, in front of Detroit. Yeah, maybe. If the Hawks keep the pick, though, it does set up nicely for them if they're willing to be somewhat patient because they do need help on the wing. And you look at this range of the draft, I think this is where, you know, there's going to be at least one, maybe two uh, of these wings who are in this range still available. You know, you could get Tyrese Halliburton at six. You could get uh, Devin Vassell at six. You could get Isaac Okoru at six, at least one of them. And and I think that sets up well for what they need. Like, it's always nice uh, when it matches up you know, the best player available is also a fit. Yeah, they desperately, uh, the, the, the wing is where they need help, right? And they tried to draft there with Hunter last year. It didn't really pan out. I they've, I would, if they'd use the pick, I think that's where they roll the dice, right? I, I would think, um, you know, I'm, you know, we'll sometimes see. they can, they can be a little bit unpredictable in, in their drafting. I, you know, they're not like Cleveland where I feel like they're tipping their hand. I don't have a great read on, what they're going to do, I'm just saying, it, it makes a lot of sense on paper to, to take one of those players. Detroit's in there at number seven. Patrick Williams is considered the like. There's just a lot of buzz that there. Patrick Williams is not falling below the Pistons at seven. 
do you like this? I, 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 I'm a little hesitant on the Patrick Williams for people who don't know how to Florida state has shot up draft boards. He has been the guy to really fly and he's got, he passes the eye test. He's got the size, the length and everything. It's just, he's also really raw. I'm, I'm not so convinced that this is a great pick this high, but that seems to be where he's going to go. Yeah. I'm not convinced either, Um, but it's been a long layoff. Players are improving. He was very young. Uh, didn't play a lot at Florida State, but but showed some flashes. Like I could see yes. a, a scenario where he's looking really good in workouts. He's you know d- developed his game, rounded out his skills, and you would feel really good about it. I haven't seen those workouts, so no, I don't feel that way. Uh, but it's possible it makes sense. Yeah, I don't think I, I again everything you hear is he's not falling below that, and the only reason he's not taken there is somebody traded up into Atlanta's spot or wherever to land him higher on the board. Um, you know, teams fall in love with upside. I think that happens a lot, right? Like he certainly has the potential to be that guy, right? He has the potential to be incredibly good. We just don't know, right? We just at the end of the day, we you're betting that a guy who's you're betting that a guy who's six, seven swingman can, but he's got that seven, one frame. He can be this defender. He shot well from three. You're betting it just, he's not a shot creator, but you're betting it all comes together. And sometimes, you know, maybe higher in this draft than you would in other drafts. It's worth it to take that shot. Yeah. uh, And a lot of that is based on his age. It seems like, and I just like, you can make some comparisons point points here. Tyrese Halliburton or uh, his Florida state teammate, Devin Vassell, like, okay. uh, Patrick Williams is not as good as them. He doesn't need to be. He's younger. But if you follow, you know, if you project him out, well, in a year or two, is he really going to be better than what Vassell is now or what Halliburton is now? Like, I don't feel confident in that just based on a normal trajectory. But again, if he's showing things in workouts, if he's showing that he made a big leap during, you know, this long hiatus before the draft, like, okay, I would believe in that because that would make sense. It's very possible, but I haven't seen those. Number eight, the New York Knicks, another team with a brand new front office. And and I think no real sense for around the league of what direction they're going to go. And I mean that in a general sense, right? Like I think we're going to find out by actions over the next couple of weeks, whether they're going to do some Knicks like things and try to win right now and make trade, but like trade for Russell Westbrook, or I don't think they can get James Harden. I don't think they have near the pieces, um, but um, make a trade or, or go after a, a star player, or are they going to actually try to build a foundation and, and kind of take this thing a little more slowly um, if that's the case, they use this pick and they take the best of whoever's left, right? Like a coral Halliburton, um, maybe a Kongu falls, maybe, maybe somebody you mentioned Devin Vassell. There's a lot to like with, with Vassell. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you can throw out one more name out there in Killian Hayes could make some yes. sense there. Um, yeah. Uh, they're kind of out of range and they got a lot of needs. They're, they're a bad team. They could go a lot of directions. I'm with you on Hayes here. Cause Vassal's ultimately look really good. Defender could develop into a really nice three and D guy. Um, Hayes, um, if you're going to go there is your, is your point guard, right? Like he's going to be. Or Russell Westbrook. Well, right. If you're not going to have Russell Westbrook, <laughs> but I mean, he's played in France and he, it's interesting because he played, he played for um the hometown, by the way, of 
Albert Einstein, in case you're curious. Uh, but he played for um, a team that leaned on him, right? They just like, here's the ball, go make plays. You're our best player. We're a small, you know, we're a small market. And that gave teams an opportunity to see what he could do. He's got the change of speed. He can pull up from the mid range. The only question is just, is he an athlete who can play at the NBA level? Sometimes you guys come out of Europe, you're just not convinced that they're going to be able to succeed athletically at the NBA level. And he, I mean, he's got size, he's got experience. That might be a really nice pick for a team looking for someone to run their offense. It could, it could. Um, I mean, if they trade for Russell Westbrook, you know, at Westbrook's age, uh, you know, I, I do think Killian Hayes will need some time to develop. You could have mm. them both. No problem. Um, also, until we're talking guards, what about Kira Lewis Jr.? Yeah, he could make sense. He, he's fast. He has some offensive moves. I, I worry about his ability to, to handle physicality. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's you know in this range of, of all the flyers you can take. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, he's, look, he's really quick with the ball. And if he can learn to be a little less reckless and play that under control, you can turn him into a a deer and Fox type of player, right? Like somebody who can really push the tempo and make things. If, if you can do that, I don't want to compare him. Look, Fox is a Fox strikes me as a future all-star. I'm not sure Kira Lewis is going to get there, but he can be that style of player. To me, the difference is I think De'Aaron Fox is much better at, at being fast, uh, amid, uh, amid bodies, you know, when, when there are defenders around, I think he's still very fast. I think uh, Kira Lewis is very fast in the open court and has plenty of moves uh, for, for when, you know, there isn't as much spacing when he's going against set defenses. But, but to me, he, he's not good enough at taking advantage of his speed uh, when you get bogged down, where I think De'Aaron Fox can impose his speed in more situations. Yes. Number nine, the Washington Wizards. Uh, they're probably more focused on trying to keep Davis Bertans, who's going to have a lot of suitors in free agency. <laughs> if you're, oh, you're 6'10 and can shoot threes and play solid defense, yeah, we'll take you. Um, they could go, again, a lot of different directions. Lewis, I don't think they'd go with Kira Lewis. I don't think they're going with a – while not drafting for position, they should take the best player. They'd be better off with somebody like Okoro or even – I don't think Patrick Williams fall that far – Okongu not a guard like they're kind of they got wall and beal they're kind of set there i'm not sure that they go with that so much as a a, a wing bay maybe sadiq bay a good solid guy. look i just kind of like the guys who come out of villanova they just seem to know how to play right like you get the, yeah. the josh hearts and, and the guys who just come out of there like they just know how to play the game uh i i'm sure the wizards would love onyeka kongu to fall there yeah, uh, you know he he'd fill a need as a big man, and I think there's a decent chance he does. Right? I mean, yeah, we, we did actually, through all these picks with our kind of most likely, and you know, I I don't think we pinned him anywhere else before this. No, I I think if he falls that far, I, again, unless somebody trades up to get him at six, or or the Pistons took him at seven, although they I don't know if the Pistons would take him. Right? They've they're they're going to you expect them to resign Christian Wood, right? Like they're just they're going to pay. They've got to pay up for him. Uh, maybe I didn't see them walking away if the price gets too high. Really, I would be interesting. I'm, I, I'm, who would put in that money? I guess Atlanta is the team. Atlanta's everybody's <laughs> wild card, right? Everybody's well, like, well, Atlanta could. The Knicks too. Yeah, potentially. I don't. 
Yeah, again, I, it, it comes back to, are they trying to build a core? Or are they trying to save their cap space for 21-21 when all those free agents are going to want to flock to play with RJ? Um, on players as good, talented, productive, and key as young as Christian Wood rarely become restricted unrestricted free agents. Like, there is an opportunity yeah. there. Uh, I don't know who's going to take advantage. That's true. Number 10... Your Phoenix Suns, uh, a team also thinking playoffs, thinking now, but their their needs, and I don't know that they look their real need here. I think is backup point guard, but I don't know if I do that through the draft, right? Or if I do, I'm thinking longer term because I've got to find somebody who can come in and help more short term, right? Well, this draft is deep with point guards, and we might be getting to the point in the draft uh, where the best player on the board is a point guard. Um, take a take a Kira Lewis and go with it. Yeah, I mean, or maybe. Hayes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think kind of the way we've pegged this out, I don't know if we've had Isaac Okoro go somewhere. I don't, you know, know if he exactly fits in. Yeah, we haven't done a very good job of just pinning people to teams. I've been pretty bad here. If you want me to do a quick rundown to this point of where I think we've kind of been heading. Okay. Uh, Timberwolves, number one, LaMelo Ball. Right. Number two, Warriors, James Weissman. Hornets, number three, Anthony Edwards. Uh, number four, Bulls, Denny Avdija. Right. Five, Cavaliers, Obi Toppin. Six, Hawks, Tyrese Halliburton. Seven, Pistons, Patrick Williams. Yep. Eight, Knicks, Killian Hayes. I guess that was the one where we were loosest. On yeah. The, the yeah. I, th- I think that. I think that that's. Yeah. It's either that or a Coro. I think. Yeah. Let's, let's put. This will make it easier. Let's put a Coro. Okoro at a eight to the Knicks, uh, and then Onyeka Kongu at nine to the Wizards, because I do right. think Killian Hayes would make the most sense to the Suns at, at number ten, and yeah. so that uh, that rounds that, us out a little better. Yeah, if we put Killian Hayes at number ten, then what's interesting is you get to number eleven in San Antonio, and I think they jump at somebody like Vassal. That strikes me as the kind of three and D guy that they pick up. Yeah, it could be. Um, I think Isaac Okoro, if he slips there, and we were pretty close oh, I to think having they'd... him slip there, I think they could take him. I mean, his uh, best-case scenario comps are Kawhi Leonard, somebody who came in yeah. without the shooting ability but but had all the right intangibles, played hard, did a lot of things right. Now, there's only one Kawhi Leonard. I think people get way carried away with that. Like The reason we, we know who he is and how it worked out is because he's the one in a million who developed his shot like that. Uh, but you could see the Spurs wanting to try to repeat that. But yes, I, I agree. Uh, Devin Vassell could make a lot of sense at 11 to San Antonio. You know who tumbles down this draft for some reason and I I think is going to surprise people is Aaron Nesmith out of Vanderbilt. I just, every year, a really good shooter falls down the draft, gets taken somewhere, <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow, that guy can really do something that's very, very valuable in the NBA. Maybe we should have taken him. I I. I'm surprised, you know, again, he, I think he might even fall as far as going out of the lottery, but it, it, it would not stun me if, if that's what happened. So I, but I just, I like guys who can shoot and we keep, oh, this guy's got upside and this guy's got size. And Hey, this guy can actually put the ball in the basket has some real value. And, and that said, we get to the Sacramento Kings. That doesn't mean they're going to take him. I don't know what the Kings are going to do. They're kind of a, I mean, again, there's a lot of point guards on the board. They like their point guard situation. Um, but they're also a team with a new front office and a new I'm, – I'm not sure what direction they're going to take things. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Neesmith. I, I keep looking for reasons not to have him in my, like, 
top eight ish or so and nobody yeah. really does and i i I keep trying to figure out, well, why not? Like, he's yeah. a shooter. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I see some problems here. He, he's, I would say, almost nil as a passer. So you, you get him dribbling, like, now you're yeah. running into problems. But he can dribble in his own shot a little bit. Defensively, not as good as you would like uh, at all. But but not. it's not like, you know, he's a liability. Uh, and he's a shooter. He's a heck of a shooter. So, yeah, I, I could see a team. Uh, taking him higher or as you say maybe even more so not taking him higher and everybody just regretting it and wondering why uh, the kings yeah they're a they're a big wild card uh, it's interesting that we get to this range uh san antonio sacramento new orleans and we we're just talking about this the strength of this draft is point guard they're going right. to be in this range like some good point guards yeah. do these teams take a point guard like san antonio's got a fairly crowded backcourt uh, Sacramento has a fairly crowded backcourt. Uh, New Orleans, maybe. Uh, I don't know exactly what they're going to do with with yeah. Lonzo Ball, with Drew Holiday. You could see them taking a point guard a little more so, but even them, it's complicated if they do. Yeah, the Drew Holiday. I think they. I, I would. I just expect to get moved at this point because they seem to be thinking Same. longer term there. But uh, doesn't Lonzo Ball seem to ultimately come back to what's the price? Like you let him go out on the market as a restricted free agent and see what the market is for him. And if you want to match that, and maybe that's where you do take, um, I'm not sure Killian Hayes is still available that we did not pin him. Right. So oh, we, we put him to the Suns at number 10. So then that would, Oh, that's right. Then we could put someone like Kira Lewis or Kira Lewis, sure. Tyrese Maxey. If, you, if you're high out of, out of Kentucky, if you, uh, if you're high on him. I'll give I you one know. I like even more than both is uh, Tyrell Terry from Stanford. Uh, he is intriguing. He, he's got yes. some work to do as a ball handler, but heck of a shooter. He competes. He's small. Like I like almost everything about him except for he is small, and that could just be fatal for him at the next level. But I like a lot of his game. Yeah, another guy who's one of the better shooters in the draft, right? Like 40.8% from three last season, really deep range, good athlete. Um, yeah, he's 6'1". I, I just... I, I, he's another guy who seems to be falling. Like I've seen him in the second round, right? Like it's, it's like, he seems well, to be I, I kind think of the other way. I think when you see him in the second round, that's somebody who has not caught up to how fast he's rising. Okay. So he's, he's moving up and maybe that's somebody you get in there. I'd be curious to see. I, I think in the case of, of new Orleans, a point guard makes some sense. I'm not as sold, you know, we'll see what's, I have no idea what Sacramento is going to do. New Orleans, I could see doing that, but I could also see them looking at someone like Sadiq Bey and thinking that guy could fit with our existing forwards in a rotation and, and play solid basketball, and we could use that. Sure. Uh, Sadiq Bey is solid. You know, the big concern with him, he, he's the three and D type. Yeah. Uh, the big concern with him is his athleticism. Uh, he's not quite as athletic as you'd like, and you know, that can unravel so much of what he does well if he just can't keep up on an athletic level. Then you get to the first of the three Boston picks are at 14. Um, they are trying to combine those to move up and move around. Uh, this is the pick that would have been Memphis's. Um, do you want to take a shot at what 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 he's going to do? Uh, Danny Ainge is another guy who I feel is unpredictable. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough one to peg. Um, <laughs> you know, what? one of the... Uh... Yeah, I do think I think this is the pick most likely to be traded in the lottery. Um yeah. you know, you mentioned Hawks at six. I think this is a little more likely. But you know, the the Celtics could use an upgrade at backup point guard, maybe 
again, the strength of the draft here, you take a Tyrese Maxey or a Kira Lewis or even Cole Anthony. Uh, you know, I, I do think maybe there's value to be had at, at a plug-and-play backup point guard. You mentioned Tyrell Terry as, as one of your guys farther down the board. Like, who's the – we'll call them sleepers. Your guys farther down the board that you're kind of high on that think they've just fallen too far. Well – I don't know where Tyrell Terry is going to wind up because like all the reports of his pre-draft process, he, how he's getting taller yeah. and stronger and more athletic, like that's covering for a lot of his, his weaknesses. Um, I like uh, Alexei Pokushevsky. Uh, mm-hmm. What a weird prospect. Like he's a big seven footer who could pass and shoot, but it's real thin and awkward and very young and could turn out to be anything in this draft. I like taking a swing on him. Uh I like the Michigan State guys. Unfortunately, I like <laughs> they beat they beat Michigan a lot. Uh, I like Xavier Tillman. Yeah, I he, like he's, Tillman. He's strong. He can move defensively. He's got a little passing ability. I'm not sure if he'll be good enough offensively, but I like Cassius Winston. He's small. Cassius Winston, Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. I, I like both of them for similar reasons. Uh, you know, they they know how to play. They shoot well. They're competitors. Uh, they did bring a lot of things you like. Uh, Desmond Bain from TCU, a shooting guard. I think he's somebody moving up boards. I, yeah. I don't know where he's going to land. Maybe I won't be as high in him as what the consensus ends up. For a while, he looked like a a, a second rounder. He's he's strong. He's a little slow footed, but he can shoot. Like just some weird parts that maybe he can put something together. Are are there guys down the board that you like? I, I kind of hire on a lot of people on Malachi Flynn, who just was the the heart and soul of a pretty surprisingly good San Diego state team last year. And he just, is he going to be an elite all-star type player? I am not convinced of that, but for a guy you could bring in, who can be a game manager starter or really good six man where he just runs the pick and roll shoots off the dribble, makes smart passes, just a guy who makes good decisions, works hard on the defensive end. I think he's a guy who can plug in a lot of places and, and really help some teams out. I just, and again, I just like the shooters in this draft. And so you've, you've, you know, if you've got a guy who can shoot like that and run to pick and roll, I think there's a role for him in the NBA. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but again, the, the height is an issue. Say, yeah, right? exactly. Like, that's the big it, concern. That's the thing holding him back from being, you know, much higher up in the draft, I think is just that, He's not he's not a super explosive athlete, and he's not mm-hmm. going to be there, right? You know. Sometimes, yeah, like him, Cassius was said, like you watch him play, you really like it, and he just goes, "I don't know if it, I I can't know if it'll work at the next level, but it might." Like in this draft, in the mid late first round, I'm definitely taking a swing on players like that. I'm also, by the way, I don't we don't talk a lot about Obi Toppin. That's a guy I just think, yeah, he's a massive liability on the defensive end right now, but he's really good offensively, can fit in a lot of roles, and I think if you can just get him to be a decent defender could have, he's not really a sleeper. I mean, this is a guy who's definitely going in the lottery, but I think he could have a huge, I, 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 he's one of the guys who could, to me, if you're talking about guys who could break out, he's one of the guys who could really break out. He could, my big concern, he's 22. Like, yeah, that's the other, yeah. You know, if you want to be an NBA player, you should be dominating college at that age. And he did. Uh, Defense is the, the other big concern. And, you know, offensively, I don't know. Like, he was put in a lot of position to succeed at Dayton, playing with other talented players against not-so-talented players. And yeah. he took advantage. Like, I would draft him, you know, in the lottery somewhere in this draft. But I, I do see a decent amount of risk. Uh, are, are there players, if we flip it, are there players who are 
generally ranked high uh, who you would not take very high. I've never been an RJ Hampton fan, but he's also slid down a lot. So I'm yeah. not sure where we put, put him now. Cause I'm, I, he's pretty much outside the lottery and I'm not sure where he lands. But uh, I've just feel, never been doesn't sold. It feel, doesn't feel good when the consensus kind of catches up to you. Like, okay, it's some I feel good about I this one. Doing. Exactly. Yeah. Like I got, RJ, I mean, I've got RJ Hampton, like somewhere late teens, early twenties. And uh, yeah, you know what? And I'm, I've it not seems been, like that's where it's going. I've also not been a big Josh Green guy. I've watched a decent amount Same. of him at Arizona, and I'm just not. Again, if you're taking him in the early 20s, that's probably fine. But I'm not so. I know there's people high on him. I'm not one of them. Same. Uh, yeah, I've got him uh, late first round somewhere. Still uh, figuring out exactly where to slot him, but late first round. My my guy, the the big one who I see sometimes even in the lottery. I'm not really high on uh, Precious Achua. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think he's got a lot, a lot of work to do on yeah. both ends of the floor. Uh, he, I like his athletic potential, what he could do as a defender inside and out. That's where I like him. That's where I see it. That's probably why I'll still have him in the first round. But I think he's got to be a center. I don't think he's skilled yes. enough to play even power forward. And defensively, that's a lot of the same things we were talking about with James Weissman, where how good defensively can you be if you're if your ability to read the floor, see the game isn't good and he needs work there too. He's a little bit older. Uh, you know, I am fairly low on him. Now, if he's willing to commit to be a center, I'd probably slide him up a tier, maybe even two, but the fact that he wants to put the ball on the floor, which is his one skill, like he can dribble some, it just doesn't go anywhere productive. Like he's not going to pass well. He's not going to shoot well. He's not going to score efficiently. Like, okay, maybe sometimes he could start a fast break, like, because he can just start dribbling. That's nice. Beyond that, I don't want him too involved offensively where he is now. If I have a strong organizational development program, then I might take somebody like Achua because I look, he's one of the better athletes in the draft, right? Like just as a pure raw athlete, he is fantastic. If I think I can spend two to three years and develop that into a quality player, then I, and not every team does that. A lot of teams think they could do it, you know, not, (laughs) Not every team is Toronto when it comes to developing players, but if if somebody gets him who can develop him, who can put him in the G League a little and, and do whatever it takes to bring him along more slowly, um, I think that there's potential there. But again, that's why I'm not taking him till teens, late late teens, probably somewhere in there, like early, you know, but, and then, you know, warning my fans, like, you're probably not going to see a lot of pressures for the first two years. Like, it's just... I'm so glad you brought that up because we talk about fit all the time. And I think it's way oversimplified fit is not, well, does my team need another big man? I mean, that can be part of it, but on one, the one that people get wrong is it's not necessarily, does your team need another big man right now? It's do you project your team to need another big man in two to three years when he's going to be ready? That's one level. And then the other level is exactly what you're talking about. Do you have the organization that can get the best out of him? I think the Warriors with James Weissman is a perfect example. I do not have Weissman number two on my board. I think it would make a lot of sense for the Warriors. They're going to make sure he fills the optimal role. They have people in place uh, who can help him learn to read the game defensively, especially Draymond Green. Like, that is a great fit for him. Organizationally, what they can do, I think, would bring out a lot of the best of him. Where if he goes to Charlotte, I think that would bring out a lot of the worst of him. And that's not necessarily a bad prospect. But but that's where... if there's any reason why I would jump from my tiers where I would deviate and not take the person in the highest tier, it's because there are organizational differences. Are you suggesting Charlotte has not shown a great prod, pro, uh, developmental program over time? Yeah. It's, 
I think well, that Devontae that's Graham turned out. I mean, that's I think true. that was an all time uh, developmental success story. I give Devonte Graham the most credit for it, but, but it's not even just the, the team's developmental program. It's well, the Hornets have so many needs that like Wiseman's, I would think would come in and say, yeah, I can help this team score. I can help us do everything with the Warriors. Like he would have to know he would fill a, a narrower role. And that's, what's best for him at this stage. Absolutely. Dan, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a wild Wednesday night. I think we're going to see some... Dan, I feel comfortable saying we'll see some trades. Like I, I think that there will absolutely be some movement in the draft. It's going to be kind of a wild uh, night, and I, it's going to be interesting to see which teams are... how teams are reacting to the shortened season and the shortened offseason and are, you know, again, like, we're going to learn what the pretty quickly what the Knicks are really trying to do over the next couple of weeks as, as we get into the free agency and trades versus and, – and I think this is true in Sacramento. I think it's true in Chicago. I think we're going to learn a lot about where some of these teams are trying to go, and then that will impact what everybody else does. So it's going to be a fascinating and a rather hectic next couple of weeks, Dan. It's already hectic. Uh, Chris Paul to the Suns yeah. is, is happening. Yeah, Chris Paul to the Suns is, is, is while we were recording this, we could talk about that for a quick second. I, I, it's not a surprise, and I think we've both written about it. I, for the Suns team that wants to jump to the playoffs, like we were talking about, <laughs> this puts them much closer to that. Right now, you've got the floor general to put next to Devin Booker, and 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 honestly, feed lobs to your rolling center in a way that he just hasn't gotten before. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, to me, the big question, and I, I don't, I haven't seen this yet, is uh, so the Suns are sending a 2022 first round pick. I'd like to, to know what the protections yes. are. Uh, that that's the big swing question of whether the the Suns gave up too much to make this happen. Uh, if it's reasonably protected, I like it for Phoenix a lot. Chris Paul's still very good, and you know the Suns would still have their their young core, and he would just accelerate things. I think that's a reasonable price to accelerate things. Absolutely. In fact, we'll let you get to writing that, Dan. We'll get back to the, and uh, we'll be on to the NBA uh, draft. We will be back next week to break some of this down and start talking free agency on the Pro Basketball Talk podcast. Plus, you can see all our work at NBCSports.com. Dan is on Twitter, of course, at Dan Feldman NBA. And I'm at Basketball Talk. Uh, check out NBC Sports. We will have all the latest after and be- before, after, and during the draft. We will have, During the draft, we will have a tracker to keep up with everything going on so enjoy the draft and we'll talk to you next week at the pro basketball talk podcast